0: Xavier Reese, and the simple truths of living the practical Christian life.
1: Jesus said if someone if an ox falls in a hole or a man needs knee, don't you break the Sabbath? Isn't life more important than, than keeping a day? The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Man was not to be enslaved to a day. And if you're honoring God and your liberty within the boundaries of those gray areas, he honors you and he accepts you. You understand?
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Throughout the ages, many a man has more than willingly shed his blood for the sake of freedom. Today, as we continue our Simple Truths study series in the Epistle to the Romans, Pastor Xavier carefully expresses how the Christian should live out his freedom that was paid for by the blood of Christ. Let's join him for today's study from chapter 14, aptly titled "Liberty Through Conscience." Paul has just declared the reason the believer submits to the authority of the
1: land and love his neighbors because Jesus is coming. Therefore he walks in the day and in the light, putting on the Lord Jesus Christ and not making provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. And now he moves to discuss the problems that can arise between believers, Who are weak in the faith and those who are strong in the faith, that of judging one another. The fact of being weak and strong has nothing to do with our salvation before God, but rather with the liberty to the conviction of their conscience before God as to whether they can partake of certain things. Now, these areas that the Bible says nothing about are gray areas, nothing specific is stated. And so, one must make judgments on one's own conviction before God. Now, we're not talking about anything like critical doctrine or imperative doctrine. In other words, you know, if you're you're a Christian, you're living in sin, you're fornicating, you're adultering, or you're a drunkard, then we are to call you out. Those are absolute imperatives. We're not talking about the atonement work of Jesus Christ, the second coming, the virgin birth, those we have to agree upon, okay? And he's going to specifically give us a few specifics and we'll make application for it. But um, one of the biggest stumbling blocks to non-believers is when they're approached with the gospel at times is the lack of grace and love towards one another. Now the believer can often be like the Pharisee who is attempting to take out that splinter out of his brother's eye while he has this big plank in his eye straining at a gnat and swallowing a camel. The lack of tolerance, graciousness, and patience with other believers who differ in opinions, where there is room for personal liberty and conscience is evidence of self-centeredness and not being Christ-centered. And so, but there's a responsibility on both sides, as we'll see. The chapter can be divided into two sections. Verse 1 through 12, we have the believer's liberty in Christ through conscience, then 13 to 23, the believer's liberty in Christ through love. It's a simple division. What we want to do is look at the believer's liberty through conscience as we live as living sacrifices to God and is characterized by a three full pair of principles. These are principles. There's no laws. They're principles. So let me read these 12 verses. "'Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to dispute over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. Who are you to judge another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand.' One person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each one be fully convict- convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat, and he gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose, and lives again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God." So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. The believer's liberty through conscience as we are living out as living sacrifice unto God. It goes back to Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you by the mercy of God to present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Don't be fashioned to this world system. Be, renewed by the, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. To prove what is that good, acceptable, the perfect will of God. Everything from verse 2 of 12 all the way to the end is application, goes back to that. You are a living sacrifice, and so am I, constantly before the Lord. And so it's characterized by th- three pair of principles. Here it is first, the principle of acceptance and conscience, verse 1 through 3. Second, you have the principle of judging and liberty, 4 to 6. And the principle of responsibility and accountability, 7 to 12. The principle of acceptance and conscience. This is foundational. Verse 1 through 3. Look at verse 1. The believer is to be characterized by looking out for others. Listen to the words. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to dispute over doubtful things. The command is to receive the one who is weak in the faith. The word receive simply means to take to one in addition to oneself, it's an imperative command in the present. It's not a suggestion. The word is used for in various ways to take on one's companion, to take by the hand in order to lead aside, to take or receive into one's home with the idea of kindness, to grant one access to one's heart, to take into fellowship with oneself. So the whole thing is benefit consideration. The same word is used in verse 3 when God says he receives each one of us. It's the word to receive each other as God has received us. The word is used to receive the runaway slave Onesimus, as Paul writes to Philemon in verse 12, to receive him. He had been born again, he was a new creature. Now, notice the individual is not weak in faith, but in the faith. The understanding of the objective truth of salvation is narrow and limited. He lacks knowledge. What he feels convicted about is a real issue. Either he is young in the Lord, or he's just immature, even though he may be in there for a long, many years. The weak individual is to be welcomed by the stronger and the more mature Christian due to the fact, as I said, that he may be a new believer or the fact that he is immature regardless of his age. Needing understanding, tolerance, and patience for their growth and maturity. Now, notice the command of welcoming the weak is to be done in a specific manner. Not to dispute, which means to think of a man indicating the process of delivering with oneself inward reasoning and questioning. So as you look at that thing, you're examining your little hamsters moving around the cage and you're, you're, you're thinking, you're putting things together. And it says, over doubtful things, which means to judge two ways, doubting which is correct. You're going back and forth. You're not sure. In other words, areas that are not sin in and of themselves, and they don't deal to heresy or a violation of doctrine. These are gray areas, and he will deal with a few of them, and then we'll make some application. Now look at verse 2. The believers to know that Christians will not always agree in a matter of conscience. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. The one individual who is strong believes he may eat all things. He has no problem. The individual sees no restriction regarding what he eats. He can eat pig. He can eat uh, seafood. He can eat worms. He can eat crickets, guts, brains, heart, liver, pig's feet, whatever. No problem. The other individual, who is weak, eats only vegetables. This is their firm conviction before the Lord. They merely do not have the freedom to eat all things. Their conscience would be defiled, and they believe they would sin. That limited liberty doesn't affect my liberty. It's a personal restriction. Why am I trying to restrict them, and they broader way now the tension is between the Christian Jews and the Gentile Christians because the Jews are coming out of the Mosaic law and they're kosher and the Gentiles are coming out of the world and they eat everything okay now first Corinthians 8 and 9 speaks about meats sacrificed to idols and Paul speaks against those things and gives the liberty there But that's a different context. So we're not going to really make application, though. We'll make some reference to it. But there is no idolatry. There's no meat being offered to idols in Romans. It's a different context. This is simply a tension that exists between the Christian Hebrews, the Jews, and the Gentile Christians. It was a tension of this legalism, okay? Notice verse 3. The believers individually... And their individual conscience must be mutually respected. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has received him. Now the stronger or more mature Christian is addressed first. Notice the believer who has the freedom to eat all things is not to look down on the believer who does not eat all things. The word despise means to throw down as nothing, to place no value on it, to treat it in contempt In other words, you're not to look to your brother because he eats these vegetables and say, you wimp, what's the matter with you? Have Have a burger. You're not to do that. This is an imperative command again, present active, not a suggestion. It's talking about my attitude, how I perceive you. You see? The same word is used in verse 10, but translated contempt. Now the attitude of looking down with contempt on the weaker one Speaks of pride. Comparing oneself with the person having a weaker conscience and exalting oneself over the person with the weaker conscience. That's the problem. Now notice the weaker or the least mature Christian then is addressed secondly. So there's responsibility on both sides. The believer who does not have the freedom to eat all things is not to criticize him who eats all things. The word judge means to observe and discern critically and censorious, always finding fault. So the weaker is not to criticize that stronger believer in his liberty. The command, again, is an imperative present active, not a suggestion. This is the same word Jesus used condemning perpetual fault finding in Matthew 7, 1 and 2. Listen to it. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with what measure you use, it will be measured back to you. This is the word, critical, sincerious, fault-finding that Jesus used. Now, all non-believers throw that in Christians' faith. You're not supposed to judge. But the context is, you're not to be like a Pharisee, finding fault in everything. We are to judge sin. And I'll give you some verses as we move along. If you're a non-believer and you're living with your your girlfriend, then I evangelize you. But if you're a Christian and you're living with your girlfriend, I'm going to get in your face. What are you doing there? So context is very important. What you take out of Romans 14 is gray areas of liberty. They don't have to deal with sin. You understand? So don't take them out of context. The attitude of criticizing the stronger one speaks also of pride. Concluding the one with a stronger conscience to be self-righteous. So you're the vegetarian. You look at, well, he just thinks he's more spiritual. Commending oneself is more righteous. He's less righteous then I have to be more righteous, right? The truth is that God has received the strong and the weak in faith. Look at verse 3 at the end. They are both saved by grace through faith. This has nothing to do with salvation. Has to do with things of conscience. They're both being true to their conviction of conscience, and God honors both. When certain persons attempt to persuade Stephen, King of Poland, to constrain some of his subjects who were of a different religion, to embrace his, he said to them, Quote, I am a king of men, not of conscience. The dominion of conscience belongs exclusively to God. Good principle. The greater responsibility always falls on those in the church who are older and more mature in the order to benefit the weak and the less mature. That's the whole goal. In chapter 15, verse 1, it says it's our obligation and command. We then who are strong ought to bear the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Galatians 5 also tells us that. Now, look at verse 2 and 3 of the same chapter, 15 there. It is based on the example of Christ. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification, for even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproach you fell on me. So he's my example. Being God, he came to wash feet. I presume I can do the same. The question of meats over vegetables is one that has nothing to do with our spirituality, ladies and gentlemen. Sometimes individuals have become vegetarians because they see it more salutable, it's healthful, it's it's good, you know, a little healthier. And that's a choice, and that's okay. And if you choose to be a vegetarian for that reason, I have no problem with it. Romans 14.22 says, do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. So you be faithful to your conscience so that you can live before God in peace. You understand? In these gray areas. Now the choice of being a vegetarian becomes a problem only when a person says that it's more spiritual to be a vegetarian than meat eater and that it's more scriptural or biblical when in fact it isn't. If you remember in Genesis 9-3, prior to the flood, Adam and Eve only ate vegetables and fruits, okay? But after the flood, Genesis 9-3, God directed them to eat meat that has never been repealed, all right? So it's not more biblical. It's a matter of choice. Jesus says, what comes out of your heart that defiles you, not what goes into your mouth. In fact... Paul, in 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from foods, which God created to receive with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. Nothing is restricted, only by your conscience when you eat. In fact, Paul here in Romans 14, verse 14 and 15 says, I know that and I am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, But to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. So if I know that something's going to stumble you, why would I want to do it? You like veggies? I invite you, I'll have veggies. And when you leave, I'll have my steak. But I'm not going to dangle it in front of you to stumble you. You understand? Because we're to be known by our love. The principle of acceptance and conscience in application is to all. To all. Now, notice the second name. You have the principle of judging and liberty. Four through six. Look at four. The individual here is rebuked by judging another man's servant. Who are you to judge another man's servant? To his own master, he stands or false Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. The weak is rebuked for judging the stronger believer in faith as non-spiritual, when in fact, the Lord has accepted him because he's the Lord's house slave. We don't belong to each other. We're in the same family, but we belong to the Lord. He's our master. The word you is emphatic, and the word judge, again, is the same as in the previous verse. Again, it means to observe, to discern critically. Censurious, always finding fault, disdaining, and despising. You find in verse 3, 4, 5, 10, and 13. James confirms this, and he condemns self-righteous judging in James 4.11. He says, do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. But this does not mean that we don't judge sin. Romans sixteen seventeen. Let me see how let me show you how you finish this. Sixteen seventeen, he says this. He says, Now I urge you, brethren, know those that cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learn and avoid them. So when things are sin and things are unscriptural, you judge it. You understand? Also, 1 Corinthians 5, 11, 2 Thessalonians 3, 14. If a brother is, is living with, uh, in sexual sin, have no company with him. If a brother is a drunkard, have no company with him. He tells it real straight. You understand? Simple. Now notice the individual stands or falls on his own master, or to his own master here. Christ is the master of every believer. Christ is the one who judges his servant. You know why? Because I can only judge your actions. I can't judge your heart. Somebody gets up on this, I get up and smacks somebody in the mouth. I can judge that action. It's wrong. Now, I can't know why he did it, but I have to judge the action in itself, right? God knows the heart, why I'm doing it. And that's the most important. But if the action is wrong, I have to judge the action. Once again, the context is the gray areas of conscience, not obvious sin. Now, the individual will be made to stand, notice. For God is able to make him stand. The word stand means to persevere, to keep standing. So you might look at somebody and say, man, that guy just a wimp. He's just you know, Everything's a problem, you know? But if he's living up to his conscience, he's honoring God. And God accepts him, you understand? And if you're honoring God and your liberty within the boundaries of those great areas, he honors you and he accepts you, you understand? And so we have to allow that room. Now, the same word is used for the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 3.8. Listen. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. God is able to make you stand. If you're true to your conscience, your convictions, as you're growing in liberty, then he honors that. Look at five. The individuals have liberty by their own personal convictions. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced. In his own mind. The individual may vary in the observance of day here. One esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day the same without distinction or importance. You remember Jesus rebuked the Pharisees and called them hypocrites for the Sabbath day. In all four Gospels, what Mark 2 will do. Because Jesus said, if, someone, if an ox falls in a hole or a man needs need, knee, don't you break the Sabbath? Isn't, isn't the, the, the life more important than, than keeping a day? The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Man was not to be enslaved to a day. The individual has to be fully convinced, assured in his own mind. The phrase fully convinced, again, is an imperative, present. It is not a suggestion. The word means to be thoroughly persuaded of their liberty or lack thereof, out of their personal conviction. So I should not try to push someone beyond their liberties and their convictions because I can cause them to stumble. I do that because I realize you remember the body of Christ and I should be there for your benefit, for your concern. The decision is the conclusion notice of his or her own mind, the faculties of perceiving and understanding the liberties in Christ.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese, and living a life with purpose and honor for the Lord. And if you'd like a copy of today's study to dig deeper into its teaching, or perhaps to pass on to a friend, it's titled, Living, Knowing Jesus is Coming. And you can request a CD for just $4. And by the way, this CD contains the complete message as it was originally delivered, but didn't have time to include on the air. So once again, the title to ask for is, Liberty Through Conscience. 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more simple truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese.